Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalms 4, and it's participatory. I want to invite you to turn in your hymnal to page 741. Uh, as you're reading through the Psalms, you will see that uh, there is a little word sometimes in italics that uh, is out there beside some verses. It's uh, the word selah. Uh, it means pause or musical interlude. 
Uh, Today, we're going to read Psalm 4 with that pause and musical interlude. Uh, Rush, let's practice our response. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole, and then we'll begin. There is a balm in Gilead to Wonderful. Your participation is in the bold. Answer me when I call, O God, of my right. How long, O people, shall my honor suffer shame? But know that the Lord has set apart the righteous as God's own. Be angry, but do not sin. Offer right sacrifices. There are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Word of God for all of God's creation. Let us all say glory to God. Amen. We are in uh, the season of Lent. It's 40 days before Easter. It's actually 47 days before Easter because we don't count Sundays in those 40 days uh, because every Sunday is a little Easter. Uh, Lent is a time for you to do business with God. It's a call to return to the Lord. It's a turning point, a pivot point in your life. It's a yearly reminder and a yearly journey of return, of deepening our relationship with Jesus. Lent is a time when we focus not on fasting, but we focus on Jesus. The giving up is not the focus. Jesus is the focus. Lent is a time when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling and hear the Lord's high calling, one of loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Part of our Lenten journey is prayer and introspection, uh, praying when we are lying down, praying when you get up, praying when you're driving, praying while you're working, praying while you're playing, praying while you're cooking dinner, praying while you're eating lunch. Contrition and repentance lead to joy and contentment in your relationship with God. 
Our theme so far during Lent have been one of abandoned. That was the Sunday that we were out because of crazy weather. Last week, anger. Today is going to be another A word. Back in January, for three, de- three hours on two different days, around 45 pastors from around the world uh, gathered via Zoom to collaborate on Lent sermons uh, based on the scriptures from uh, our Seedbed Daily Text, uh, the soundtrack. Uh, you see that book cover on the front of our, of our bulletin. Uh, many of you use the Seedbed Daily Text as your uh, daily devotional reading guide. Uh, It was at the end of the first day, and there was a pastor from Trinidad and Tobago, a little island, who was on that Zoom call, and he offered three words, abandon, anger, animosity, and that became our words for these Sunday mornings based on the scripture for that day. So you can expect a words from now through Easter. Jesus is Lord. Monday, I walked into our church office, and Kathy, our uh, ministry assistant, was sitting there, and I proclaimed in a loud voice, answer me when I call. She laughed. She's getting used to me. And then I said, I'm just quoting Psalms 4. (laughs) Do you quote scripture to your co-workers or around your house? David begins this psalm with a call for God to hear. Answer me when I call, is his prayer. Yesterday, if you read the Seedbed Daily Text, it was all about when our prayers hit the ceiling. Have you ever prayed, oh Lord, answer me when I call? David has been accused and criticized by others unjustly, and so he turns to God for comfort. His reputation is being damaged, and he is reminding them in this prayer that he has been set apart by God and is in a righteous relationship with God. In prayer, David addresses his accusers, telling them to focus on trusting in God. It's a contrast to their evil actions that has caused damage. If his adversaries would instead worship and trust God, they may have a heart change and stop their attacks. For he knows what you know, that God's light shines on those who show genuine repentance and true trust. Is it a little too little too late? David reveals that the criticism against him has crept into his heart. He has overcome the doubts, the resentments, the animosity within himself by asking God for joy. He even requests more joy than an abundant harvest can give. He needs the joy of the Lord now. This is a bedtime prayer. And he's wanting to go to sleep with the joy of the Lord than the pain of resentment. He's getting ready to lay down for the night. He wants unburdening. He wants to rest in peace. He wants his repose to be peaceful. While others are out creating 
chaos. God is the one who can create this tranquility that David desires. Have you been in a similar place that folk are gossiping or criticizing you? Animosity builds. Your peace is robbed by the ill words, the false accusations, the invasive misinformation that is being circulated. As this builds, animosity builds. It's that strong feeling of dislike or hatred or ill will, resentment that bends toward active hostility. Animosity can be toward an individual. It can be toward a group of people. Animosity can also be taught to us or more like dumped on us. We teach others animosity, and we can also dump animosity on others. Animosity can be built upon fear, mistrust, or even misinformation. We have animosity because of the fall, the Genesis 3 fall. And we see animosity in the fall, the season of fall particularly the week before the third Saturday of October. Do you know that week? It's the week leading up to the Tennessee-Alabama game. The, some call it the hate-Bama week. Do you hear the animosity in that? And I know I've gone from preaching to meddling, but I want you to stay with me. Lovers of Chevy say that Ford vehicle stands for found on road dead. Hear the animosity? Lovers of Ford vehicles say that Chevy stands for cheapest heap ever envisioned yet. Lovers of Mopar vehicles say that Chevy stands for can you can hear every valve rap on long extended trips. And lovers of Ford vehicles say that Mopar stands for mostly old parts and rust. Do you hear the animosity in that? Now I know I've gone from preaching to meddling, but stay with me. Mike was raised in a small town with one bank, and his father opened the second bank. Mike was taught animosity toward that bank and the people that did business with that bank. Mike was not allowed to shop at Gibson's Five and Dime because Gibson's Five and Dime did business with the other bank. Sue heard her parents talk negatively about people who lived in that part of town. She now up in years has negative feelings and animosity toward those people in that part of town. Animosity can be passed on to us. And you will need to break the power of the sin of animosity in your life. You will need to break that cycle of sin, of animosity. Democrats, I'm going there today, Democrats have animosity toward Republicans. Republicans have animosity toward Democrats. Independents and Libertarians have animosity toward both the elephant and the donkey. Focus with, stay with me. Could it be that racism is born out of animosity? Taught, handed down, dumped on us 
that our conversations around the kitchen table and in the car on purpose and maybe even casually teaching us dump on a certain view of other people. We can break this evil hold of animosity in our lives, whether we're taught it, whether it was dumped on us, whether it's built on fear or misinformation or mistrust. Does any of this connect with you? If so, this psalm is for you. This, this is a psalm for everyday life for broken humanity. This is a tossing and turning at the night as you rehearse the ways in which others have talked about you or treated you. This is a psalm of discontent and hurt that drives you to God to restore comfort and joy and peace. Let's get a scriptural view of others. When we see individuals or groups of people as less than, we depart from seeing people, seeing the image of God in them, the Imago Dei. Scripture teaches us that every person is created in the image of God. And this is the basis for, for human dignity. And, and therefore, there is no place for, for racism or animosity in our lives. And those actions of those who live under and serve under God's rule and reign. Can you begin seeing the, cre- the image of God in every individual? Scripture teaches us that the entire human race, apart from Christ, is under the bondage of sin, and we need to receive the grace of forgiveness. We, as the people of God, we know that we are the joyful recipients of the grace of God. And that this grace is freely offered to the whole human race. This is the heart of the gospel. Have you noticed how hard it is for our culture to forgive one another? If I look at social media, I see that there is that much forgiveness on social media. There's about that much reconciliation. There's about that much grace given in society. And we, as a church, we have the message of forgiveness and reconciliation and grace manifested in us by us, the church, offered freely to the world. The gospel alone provides hope and genuine obliteration of animosity among people. Regardless of the deep sins which have mired people in swamps of animosity. The power of Jesus Christ and His indwelling Spirit is able to transform and redirect our hearts towards perfect love. Every brutal murder, every racist attitude, every sinful act, and every thought has already been endured by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. He has victory over death and also victory over all sin, including our sins of animosity. And he has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. And he has created a new redeemed people made up of every race and every tribe and every tongue. You can't love someone that you have animosity toward. You have to choose love. Toward that other person above differing viewpoints. Animosity won't let you reach across the aisle. But love of neighbor, love of God, heart, soul, mind, and strength 
compels us to reach across the aisle. New creation is coming when God will present us all as the spotless bride of Christ, when Christ vindicates His people at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're headed to that future. And it's not one of division and hatred, but it's one of shared unity around the glory of God and His redemptive plan, which He's made for all of His adoptive children. The church, we've not always been faithful to this vision. And let's be honest, that we've been less than faithful. And so we need to ask for forgiveness. Our past doesn't determine our future through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can have a different future than our past. Remaining rooted in these wonderful truths of the gospel as we frame our responses and give guidance to one another. Jesus says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life. And have it abundantly. The psalmist concludes that while others may try to steal his contentment and his joy, that he is going to return to God for peace and safety. Do you have joy stealers in your life? Including how people have treated you. And maybe also in your own resentments. Our restlessness has only one remedy to seek the shepherd the shelter of our good shepherd the one who gives life jesus is the messianic shepherd in whom israel hoped and if the psalmist if it was david who was a shepherd boy he now identifies that he is the one who is in need of a shepherd Jesus, as the good shepherd, comes becomes the doorway that we enter to inhabit the peaceful pasture of rest securely. Revelation seven seventeen says this: For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of living water. Let's go to the throne. Let's go to the shepherd who will guide us to living waters. And then we can have peace in our lives. You know the story of the author of It Is Well With My Soul? He was in a place of a lot of hurt. In short, his entire family died. Am I telling this right, Rush? He was on a boat. And he penned these words to this hymn. Imagine the loss. I mean, a Job, a Job-type loss. A Job-type loss. Of losing it all, your whole family. And yet, he writes when... Peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well 
It is well with my soul. There's a verse in here that sometimes I just want to, I just want to shout glory. My sin. Oh, the bliss of the glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. We go to the throne. We go to the shepherd. We go to the cross, and it's there that our sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I don't know about you, but that gives me joy. That gives me joy in my soul that my sin has been taken care of. That's where I find my joy and my contentment, my, my identity, not as Lee, as, a, as I was named by my parents, not as pastor, as my calling, but Lee, a child of God, a son of the Most High. My sin nailed to the cross, no matter what folks say about you. No matter what resentment or animosity you have toward others, our foundation, do you hear me? Our foundation is in who we are in Jesus. You feel abandoned. Find your place at the throne. See your sin nailed to the cross, not, not in part, but in whole. Find yourself angry. Lay that anger down. Find your sin nailed to the cross, not in part, but in whole. 